welcome to Daft Souls. I am joined by Stephen Hogarty. Hello, how's it going? And by Log John Log Log Blythe. Log Log to you. Log 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 to you. Hello, I'm Log Log. Hello. We're in a slightly more reverbery place than usual this week, so please don't bother pointing this out in the comments on YouTube because we're aware of that. But it's fine. Live from a cave. It's not as bad as the robot podcast, so it's fine. Yeah, we've gone spelunking this week, and that's game-relevant as a word. I like so, spelunky. Oh, I do too. But I didn't like it as much as everybody else liked it. I liked the slow progress I was making. Every game a little bit better, but I hate, hate the monstrous levels of dedication you need to get better, to get, to get as really good as good, some people yeah. do at it. I think I just couldn't understand how, how some people got so good at it. I wasn't playing, I'm like, why... When you've given up the human side of you that is prone to failure or your thoughts drifting away and you you stop thinking, oh, thinking about something else. No, you're a robot if you did all that shit. That guy who killed the ghost spent ages getting it to get hurt by lava. Took about three hours, didn't it? You are a patient man. You are also a robot. And there's nothing proud in that. I watched, um, because again, I couldn't really get very far on Spelunky but I, lo- I did love Spelunky but I watched Tom Francis finish it yeah. on his YouTube video and that was that was gratif- gratifying enough for me to watch someone that I know mm. finish the game and being able to talk interestingly about it as he did did he finish it straight he, he did the proper ending didn't he yeah through the, the fifth level there's as well a, there's a f- in the final boss there's a secret door that you can go through and you've got to go through all that getting the ank and dying on purpose and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the hell ending, yeah. yeah my, my knowledge of Splunky is built entirely out of that game's specific wiki. My favourite thing about Splunky was the fact you can choose whether or not you want to save uh, ladies, mm-hmm. men, pugs, or a combination of the three. Yeah, And see, is this, nice. is, this is one I diverge from most serious Splunky players in the fact that I think if you have the lady voices are the easiest to hear... Um, much like in real life no because um, it has like a more high pitched noise that's true um, if you can help then it, it's easier to find them and easier to notice when the ones they're by it's something I've, I've read somewhere and it makes sense but then so I think a lot of serious blunky players wouldn't play with the mixed up dog man lady combination because it's going to be more difficult to hear that's fair play but that's I'm like fuck it I like so if anything that's really misogynist <laughs> it is. of them to to propose <laughs> It's misandrous yeah. that they don't want to have male characters in their game. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> why, can't, why, can't men, why can't men constantly be in peril and need rescuing? What's wrong with us? Yeah. Uh, typical. Uh, but no, yeah, Splunky's alright. Anyway, a game I haven't played no, this it's, week. It's great. I, I looked love that option. I, I loved yeah. it. Just the, the fact that someone showed awareness of the damsel in distress thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I do love when there is a coy sort of nod to to like the lazy tropiness of like uh, showing awareness of using a trope like that. Yeah. Um, I think Sir, you're being hunted has an option on the main screen. The game by um, oh, Jim Rossignol. And uh, you can does it, you can change the name of the game from Sir to Madam. You are being hunted. Yes, which is nice. just change the entire name of the game to be gender neutral. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Still defaults to Sir though. Misogynist. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> sir being hunted. Like, I I like that, but I I can't. I think it's one of those games where I can't. I couldn't 
get into it. You know, I enjoyed it as an experience, but I think it's like, I like, I could never foresee myself being any good at it. Um, I haven't played it yet. I really want to have a go at it. I like, I wouldn't say it's fun, but that's just me. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it terrified me. Like it really frightened me in a good way. It was like, it reminded me of that kind of like, uh, radio four drama, you know, like that kind of it had something about the intro is this weirdly bleak delivery, slightly kind of cheesy audio effects on it. And then you're in this kind of bleak English landscape. It very much reminded me of creepy 1980s Radio 4 channel stuff, but it's just really intense and frightening. I like the fact that the visuals of the game reminded you of Radio 4. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's something. I guess, like, not just the Radio 4... I guess it reminds me of Radio 4 dramas because now that's the only place that you still get that feel of things, but Mm. it used to be... Is it the received pronunciation of it all, then? (laughs) No, it wasn't that. It was the audio effect. Because was, uh, uh, as someone who hasn't played it, when you say the received pronunciation, is it very much clipped mon- monarchal English? Um, Welcome to the tutorial of Sir You Are Being Hunted. It's more... Very aristocratic. Yes, it has a thing in the intro, basically. It has this thing where it says, Oh, and Sir, do be careful, Sir. You are being hunted. And... It's a wonderful intro. It says, oh, I'm sure you'll manage to find yourself something to eat out there, but do be careful. This is, to explain, mm-hmm. I, I, you are, I think, you're an inventor whose invention has gone wrong and you've been teleported to an archipelago of islands. Yeah. And you have to retrieve all the parts of your machine to teleport back to where you live. And it's your assistant who's doing the voiceover. Yes. But he's weirdly sinister. He says, yeah, do be careful. You are being hunted. Yeah. And so, it has this, yeah, he basically says, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. He says, if everything goes to plan, we should have everything uh, sorted out before dinner. Like, and, but it's kind of, there's the, the, the effects that they've put on the audio has this slight warble to it. Uh, combined with this slightly kind of dread-filled ambient noise, it, just feels very much like a kind of creepy Radio 4. I don't know when I was... Oh, when I, I, was I honestly sound the, love the sound of that. I mean, I, I'm going to... The problem is... Is that oh, it's I, not I find, access or something? No, it's out now. It's, it's out, out now. Bloody hell, I am... God, you leave the games industry for three weeks and <laughs> forget everything. <laughs> but it's been... Um, it's one of those things where I want to like it, more, want to enjoy it more than I do because I love the intro so much. It's so, like, frightening. It's a really good sandbox, I think. Mm. But... I, I don't think it can really expand the appeal over a full game. Like getting all of the pieces of your invention back together, it needs to be a few more varied objectives. I think I enjoy the experience of it, but I don't feel compelled to complete it mm. because what I enjoy about it is getting a few of the pieces and then finding myself getting into a pickle and getting killed. And I, I kind of step away from it, going, "That was amazing." Often my heart's pounding, and I'm like, "That was so exciting." But I don't know if I want to, like, I don't know if I want to do it again, over and over again, until like, beat it. I mean, how varied is it? Because I, 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 I don't, so a game like Don't Starve is another game that I haven't played enough of yet. I've downloaded it, started playing it for an hour, then, I don't know, went for a walk or something? I don't know. <laughs> but, like, from what I hear from other people talking about Don't Starve is you'll always find something different every time. Whereas my mental notes of another game I haven't played... Basically, I'm I'm showing how good I am at talking about games I haven't played. <laughs> Why are you leaving I'm, the I'm games gonna, industry? I'm, I'm going to review these games <laughs> right now. Um, but what I hear about Sir, you're being hunted. The feel of it is that it's it's not quite as anything could happen. 
No, basically, it's 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 procedurally made, obviously, but then um, you, you always get a good view of what's coming up. You right. know, like um, I've seen some screenshots of stuff that I'm like, wow, that's kind of crazy and stuff that doesn't really relate to what I've played. But I just love the fact that I don't know. Um, I think it was actually. I think it was. Jim, Jim Russell, one of the creators, who was like, oh, what are, what I was talking about wanting to like, I was making a joke about UKF or something, about wanting to go and, oh, I'm really in the mood for like gunning down some authoritarian dictators. He's like, oh, you always try killing some robots and show you a bunch of It's like, I can't kill them. I can't kill them. Like, even when I've had guns in that, I cannot kill them. But it's just the fact that I've had some incredibly horrible moments just going into towns because the way it, what it works is it, a lot of it is just like kind of in the main areas is sort of the expanse of, like British countryside. If you don't know what that is, it's basically like square fields with with hedges, occasional clumps of poplar trees. Yeah, we kind of, it's kind of messy. Kind of like it's not. It, I mean, this if you're in America, like uh, America does a really fucking good job of putting things into proper squares in terms of like both streets and landscape and stuff. Whereas we're like really not good at that. Really, go onto Google Earth. And check out our fields. <laughs> They're a mess. Because they, 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 they're not grids at all. They're no. just nonsense. So it's like that. It's basically like you have mild hills. And what's lovely is that you can see the robots from a long way away because they have this kind of red glow from their eyes. And it does that kind of, uh, you know, Schindler's List star thing of having nothing else that is red. You know, it's like everything else is quite dull, dim, Green, grey, and then... Are you saying that little Jewish girl was a murderous robot? Because <laughs> if you are, you are. Guilty as charged. You are Hitler. I am Hitler. <laughs> Finally, I've been unveiled. I've just been waiting for someone to say those magic words. You are Hitler. <laughs> now do the summoning spell. And the Fourth Reich will arrive. <laughs> the, the game is up, Sherlock. Uh, no, I'm not Hitler. Um, but... Well, that was a letdown. I'm oh, sorry. I know, right? What an anticlimax. But I've had some bits where you just find yourself in a town and you can hear the robots nearby. And you can basically, a lot of the time, you can't have weapons. You can just throw things to make distractions. And I just threw a bottle, expecting all of the robots to run over to where the bottle was. And they kind of did a bit, but then they all started coming around and they knew that something was up. And and they, I just heard them getting closer and closer, walking. And they kind of talk with, like, they say British things, but with a very robot-y voice, like, you know... Let's let we got to find this blighter and stuff, but with a massive kind of like got to find this blighter. Where is he? And it's just it's weird um, and scary. And just knowing they're getting closer and closer, and all you can do is just hide in this bush and just hope they don't see you. And I mean, maybe this, it's kind of a weird thing because it, it's a bit like the way I used to feel with the original XCOM and the fact that I'm aware that there is a way to be good at this, and I'm aware that I'm aware that becoming good at it requires you to become a bit of a robot, as we were saying with Spelunky in a way. Yeah, and I kind of don't want to because I enjoy my experience being that I feel like I'm doing quite well, and then I find myself so fucked, like so fucked. So is the uh, is the AI that hard to read then that you're not, you're not quite sure what's powering it? I think that's... They, the, the things they say, it's a lot, it plays a lot like DayZ in that you have towns mm. where lots of resources are, but you don't want to go into them because that's also where the aristocratic blunderbuss wielding robots right. roam. Okay, so it's, that's another thing. As a man who hasn't played it, my yes. image of the game was that it was all rolling countryside. I didn't realise there was city areas. There's no. small towns. There's no, you can't go into any buildings. There's no yeah. building interior. I think that's the smartest. I mean, it's probably to make it easier, but I think the smartest thing about it is you can't go inside buildings. Right? Yeah. The way it works is you get these little, um, uh, either one-off big buildings like churches or sometimes castle ruins, but mostly little towns and things. 
And every when you go to a town, town's great because every single door, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a building, but every door that you spot, you can go up and you can press E on it and it'll have items, like random items. And you might get weapons or food or, you know, something to throw as distractions or items or useful stuff. Oh, so you ransack a house by clicking on the door? Yes. But okay. what's, what's nice is it means that basically it's like they can be treasure troves. And sometimes you can come away with amazing stuff. Like you come away with loads of weapons, loads of pies. And it's again, it's all really British. Like you can get like... Like uh, pots of tea and, and a fish finger. I think actually that all the art for the inventory stuff was done by Marsh Davis. Uh, oh, nice! Which is like it's really, really nicely done. Marsh Davis is—he's he's a lovely fucking he, I, illustrator. I've not met him in times right, but he's a, he's a talented man, very, very talented. Um, but yeah, it's it's a great risk thing in the fact that going near the towns puts you in substantial danger. And well, I like the fact you can't go into the buildings because it doesn't present you with any form of safety you usually you think going to a town would provide you with some safety because even if there's loads of monsters you can go and hide in a building you can go and create a choke point maybe mm. but actually because these doors are nothing more than these 2d objects that you just click on and get items it means that if you get into trouble you've got nowhere to hide you just need to run and try and hide behind a bush in a field like nearby that's cool because I, I just remember thinking for a long time ago, I think it was GTA that I think like the Vice City. You could go into some of the buildings, yeah. And I thought the idea is that one day you'll be able to go in all the buildings. And then I remember being like really excited when I went back and played Omicron: The Nomad Soul because it was a game where you could go into all the buildings, and then you realise. Yeah, this is all really boring. <laughs> like, yeah. No one's going to design all buildings to have like interesting stuff in them. And it's more the fact that it takes away any sense of security. Like you don't feel like, well, it might not be safe there, but at least I can hide under a table or something. It's like no. Like mm. when you're in a town, you're basically just hiding behind a couple of blocks, and there will be lots of them around looking for you, and you've got nowhere to hide. Like, um, but you do have some lovely moments. Like I had some bits where I saw like one was like a robot. They, I realised they had dogs as well because I hadn't, I hadn't played it for a long time after I played it when I first came out in Alpha and they'd added loads of stuff and it was like different types of robots when I saw a hunting a group of robots with hunting rifles running around behind following a dog a robot dog I was just like wow it really really frightens me just because they do kill you so efficiently like when they've mm. seen you you, you just all you can do is just sprint across the field try and lose that on the site and then try and hide but often it's like, yeah, you're just going to get gunned down like, by robots. Mm. Um, but I love the way that you find, occasionally you find letters and notes in the houses and stuff, and it just gives you this sense of, like, something having gone horribly wrong. It's like post-apocalyptic. The humans definitely did exist here at some mm. point, but you don't know how long ago exactly, and you know that the robots, for whatever reason, have murdered them all. There's at one point that you, find, you start to find like, letters that are like written by the robots, um, one of them is like, it is your dear Auntie Sandra. Like, I've just come back from, I know I was missing for a while. It's because I was on holiday in Tenerife. <laughs> and it's like, clearly like, it's like, do come back home immediately. It is completely safe. And it's like, it's yes. all, all in full caps. And it's, yeah. like, it's like, this is blatantly written by a robot. And it, uh, that letter in particular says, uh, P.S. Please swallow this letter upon reading. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's it's I kind of find it really frustrating as a game though because I love it. I love the theme. I love the idea, but um, it, because it's hard, it, it's hard to play for more than twenty minutes at a time. Yeah, because it is a kind of it's like a roguelike c- crossed with a kind of FPS stealth oh, yeah. game. 
I just think it's it's very difficult. I think to be good at first person stealth games, like I I always struggle with that. I struggle with that it's with Dishonored. I liked it, but I I found it difficult. I was always getting spotted because I found it's it really very, difficult. It's, yeah. it's so hard to judge and learning enemies' cones of vision without seeing them on a mini map. Yeah, it's just like uh, it, it's not something that I find fun to learn that. That's the thing, but it's one of those things where it's it's fun to play because I enjoy the process. I enjoy dying. I enjoy mm. the fear of being like, have they seen me? Have they seen me? And it's kind of sometimes because the, because of the way they move erratically, sometimes you do see them moving around quite quickly and you just think, oh shit, I've been spotted. And you end up running and hiding. And you're like, no, yeah, that's fine. Like, um, that kind of have I been seen or not? Mm. Because they do move around the map oddly and sometimes you'll see loads of robots just running towards you and you're like, oh, fuck oh fuck and it's like they're not actually they're just running in your direction like, they're not when I last played it they had um, like small hot air balloons that yes. would sort of float yes. around the countryside these huge sort of spotlights that would like cast massive swathes like pools of light over these fields that you might oh, be hiding God. in and they could turn around so quick so even when you are far away from a town and you know you think that you're safe from like just robots wandering up to you You'll see this thing on the horizon, like shining a spotlight everywhere, like floating in your direction. I think it's a it's a it's a really difficult puzzle that game because I agree with what you said about like it needs more objectives, it needs more things to do. But the problem is like I'm glad that the things to do aren't like different ways to kill robots and stuff. It, it does keep itself quite refined in the idea that you are being hunted by robots and you have to do this. Can you kill the robots? You can, but it's hard. Like right. The problem is it's very rare that you just have one of them. So I've managed on a couple of occasions to maybe kill one or maybe two out of three, but then the third one will kill you. Like, it's, I mean, that's the things I wonder if you get really good, you might be able to, but right. I, I wasn't good enough. I'm not it's, very good at... It's certainly, it's not, it's not a way to play the game. No. You go around killing all of the robots. No, it's... The am, am, like, ammunition is very limited. And, like, well, a lot of games, they just don't find guns. A lot of games, you just... Uh, times I played, like you find maybe a gun with one bullet in it, and it's like that's not much use. Right. Um, but it does feel like yeah, it's just a bit, it's a bit kind of full on, constantly intense, and it's like I'm, I'm glad they didn't make it being like, hey, now you've got a good gun, you can kill some robots because that might have spoiled it. But oh wow, you found a mech. Let's go and fuck shit up. <laughs> but I think most really, really good roguelikes. That was my fear too. I think that was, wasn't it? <laughs> Fear 2 did that well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Here's Fear 2. Stop being scared. Here, have a mech for a while. Oh, here's the step. The mech can't go up. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, and all the spooky ghosts are just beyond this. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the primary school level. (laughs) (laughs) Get a mech in here. That was was particularly trite, that. It was like... But actually, I really like Fear 2. Oh, Fear 2 was ace. I mean, the primary school levels also had loads of stuff hidden in it that was telling you how the children were being yes. taught and how it fit in with the whole corporate shit going on. That was a, lot, good, that a really, really good story, that, that the fear universe, the idea behind it was quite good. Yeah, I, I, I think Fear 2 is definitely, I mean, Fear 3, I saw bits of it. I, was that, I think that was when I was out, because then Fear 3 came in and it looked like a bit of a mess. I couldn't be asked playing Fear 3 because no, the, I didn't. of the whole... Uh, the Paxton Fettel as playable character thing, wasn't it? Just felt weak, yeah. Yeah. But the Fear 2 was incredible. Um, was it Fear 2 or was it Fear 1 with the moment where you realise you're in an underground facility? Fear 2, that's Fear 2. Oh, where, yeah. where, the, where the sort of the windows kind of flicker and... and oh, you, and you think, this is this. Oh, God, I'm not where I think I am. It's a criminally underplayed game, that thing, I think, Fear 2. Like, it... Because... 
even on its own, like it was almost one of those things where even though it was a sequel, I actually played Fear 2 before I played Fear. And going back to play Fear, like added some backstory and I quite enjoyed that. But I still actually really enjoyed the story in Fear 2 just as a thing of just dropping you into something and going, a nuclear explosion has just happened in this city. Everything's going mental. And it was just like, you you really didn't know what was going on, but you were a soldier being dropped off to do something. And then there were like ghosts and shit. Mm. I kind of liked the fact that clearly you were supposed to have played the original game because it was sort of very much like, it felt like a sequel. But at the same time, it was kind of pleasantly confusing. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I love that feeling. That was it. Sorry, Fear 2 or Fear 3 that ended in the sexual assault. The sexual assault. That's Fear 2, yeah. So that's Fear 2, yeah, definitely. That was bizarre. It was, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, it just was. No, it just was. It just was. <laughs> yeah. There's no but there, really. It was fucking mental. And then in the credit sequence, I think you saw the fetus, right? It was like, oh, yes, that post-credits, like... Oh, is that going to be the protagonist or the you, bad guy in the next yeah, game? <laughs> you've done a spooky baby. <laughs> Still, no, I had some amazing moments going down to the epicenter of that when you were like dropping down into the crater of some mental epicenter and the bit where you actually discover the playground. There's still massively, massively spoilery things, but... Uh, well, it's not. It's, it's vaguely put enough that people will go, people will easily forget the words you just said. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah you're, you're you right. Say, just go and play Fear, then Fear 2. I, I, I actually feels like all right. I mean, it was like clearly an old a, game. The AI in that game was incredible because, well, it had they did tricks to make it look incredible. Like the enemies would push over like fire chests of drawers and stuff, mm, yeah, yeah. filing cabinets, and jump behind them. And um, I think it seems to have gone backwards since then. Yeah, like, enemies don't do clever things anymore, do they? Well, the AI like, thing is mental. Just the whole thing from the days when. You'd overhear something that made you. Th- well, they said, "Oh, he's thrown a grenade! Quick, run over here!" It, but yeah, it did, it did have like. I thought as well, just the pacing of, of fear uh, in terms of the, the the combat. Fear and fear two both that one thing of giving you a like weapons that were genuinely really good weapons, like shotguns that would tear people apart and pistols that just felt good. Was that laser gun yeah. that would slice right through them as well. You yeah. Get one and a half in just the right way. I mean, I was, I was <laughs> going like, in just, just the right way. <laughs> so they're oven ready. <laughs> I was using the FPS test, especially, it doesn't really count anymore for like, uh, like yeah, FPS has changed so much now, I kind of feel a bit out of touch with it, with the whole online thing. But it used to be that you would have this sort of escalation of weapons throughout the campaign. And yeah. there would be a period where you'd have just the pistol for like maybe the first hour of the game. But no, no, it's not true. First 10, 20 minutes. Um, but I always felt like it was a, that was a sign of a good game. Like a sign of a good FPS is they gave you a pistol. That you were like, I fucking love this pistol. I could use this pistol for hours. And then give you a shot. And you're like, this is even better. Like, but a good pistol, like making a pistol feel badass. And I still remember the Fear Games did that well. I know, I think we mentioned Wolfenstein a, a few Yes, yes. The, the few episodes I've been on of the of Dap Cells, we've been talking about Wolfenstein. Well, we were going to talk about it last, last time, well, a couple of times ago, but with uh, Brendan, because Brendan really doesn't like it, but we'll have to find out why another time. <laughs> yes, he's not here. <laughs> that game gives you, it gives you a Luger first. Yeah. You go, this Luger's fantastic. I'm amazed the Nazis didn't win with incredible Lugas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we should go back in time and have a rematch. <laughs> I mean, on the way to your house here tonight, I was listening to Chet and John's finite playlist, mm-hmm. and they did bring up one thing that made me remember the bits of Wolfenstein where I thought, oh, for fuck's sake. 
And it was a bit where you have to go around the home base. Well, not home base. Obviously, that's a, that's <laughs> a Sainsbury's offshoot. Yes, the, the, the home, the home nest. It was like a B&Q. Yeah, it was, yeah, basically it was something. And you had to go and find some mouldy concrete. And what aisle's that in? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the the stuff on the on the, the in the inside the the base was like that was rubbish. I haven't actually got that far yet, but I mean, well, there's, there's several home levels where you have to. It just feels like you're rummaging around a small area with willfully obscure things. Just because she's in a wheelchair, she's perfectly capable of wheeling herself down to the helicopter when she wants to. Yeah, she fucking par- she did a parachuted into a helicopter and landed on the floor. So yeah. Actually, that scene was cool, though. I can't pull that fine. scene. And <laughs> fair enough, if she has para, para glided, para, paraglided into... An, yeah, she paraglided. To be fair, her I disability will... was implicit in the para of paragliding. <laughs> yes. And I will pick her up and put her in a helicopter in that, in that situation. But I will not I'm have sorry, her tell me to go find some mouldy concrete. But I loved it when it says, I'm sorry about your legs. So don't be... I've learned to fly. Yeah. And cringe. then the, the music happens and you yeah. go, I'm playing a very, very tolerant game. <laughs> <laughs> I've I, learned to fly. Well, you've literally just stolen a helicopter. Yeah, we can all steal helicopters, <laughs> love. <laughs> this is video games land. We've all done that shit. And, and for, how is she doing the yaw controls on a helicopter without working legs? If anyone knows how helicopters work, <laughs> your controls are on pedals down by your feet. Don't That's presume to know the your controls of a fictional universe <laughs> Nazi Britain. Yeah, Steve. <laughs> Fine. They're not going to deviate much from something that works, <laughs> right? Got to Britain? No, I'm excited. I, I, I really, I really want to play more Wolfenstein. I haven't had any time to do so, but I've got to the bit just after um, the start where um, you kind of first kind of had a whole like you know bit where you come out of a coma and stuff so I thought well, fucking I, I'm consistently like very impressed by it in the early stages just being like this is all really well done like for a silly game I, I literally bought it expecting like I'm gonna buy a silly game shoot some Nazis and it's like shit this is actually really good like it's really sort of it's very pulpy and very sort of Max Payne yeah like monologue just even the way it does like the kind of sped up thing of just being like a cutscene of like this is you in the same room sitting in a corner in a coma for like, like a, a time lapse time. Thing, yeah. a time lapse of a, a mental hospital that over probably took some effort that yeah it's like <laughs> that was really good um, and even just a bit the, the bit where you have to like uh, I kind of I get what you mean about going around the base though because already I had that bit where I had to uh, threaten a Nazi officer with a chainsaw and it was this thing if he was just sitting there going please don't you, I, I, I can do whatever you want uh, all you've got to do is look around this tiny room for three things three interactive objects yeah. and then like, it, it's, and it's surprisingly hard yeah that's you imagine it. that over like seven or eight rooms where you think well, imagine, this has been deliberately designed so I don't remember where things are yeah. I just felt awkward I was just like oh god this guy knows I'm going to physically torture him I know I'm going to physically torture him yeah. but I'm just trying to look cool he's sitting in his remember <laughs> where I put all well, of the things I don't need to fucking protect myself from spatter spatter yeah I've been the amount of shit I've been through already 
a little bit of Nazi blood in my eyes won't be the worst thing that's happened to me. Yeah. I guess so it's about psyching him out, but it's still it's annoying how it's like it makes you look like an idiot. I didn't like that because it was like, oh, I look like an idiot now because I don't know. Well, like, they should have made advantage, taken advantage of that, saying, "Ha, you don't even know what the things you are that you need to kill me." Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> you don't even know where to yeah. click. <laughs> you don't know what to click, you prick. So, why would you be afraid of Nazi blood if there's any group of? people who were not going to have blood-borne diseases, it's the Nazis. Yeah. They'd uh, stamp that out at birth. They, they, would, they wouldn't have it. That's sort of their deal. <laughs> That's what they're all about. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah. I'll tell you, actually, a game that does break the fourth wall a lot that I've been playing on the recommendation of Steve, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was a combination of the recommendation from you from two years ago. I've been sitting on, like, a big check-in. <laughs> Good recommendation, chicken. <laughs> yeah, waiting for that recommendation egg to hatch. And also the fact that I was so bemused by the end of Nintendo's E3 thing where they went, oh, just one more thing, you can play as Palatina in Smash Brothers. And I was like, who the fuck gives a shit about one of the characters from Kid Icarus being a playable character? And then I was so intrigued, I was like, I want to find out why. And yeah, sure enough, Palatina. And I'm like, I don't think she'll be an interesting character in Smash Brothers, but she's a brilliant character. Oh, yeah. She's so good. Like, I kind of really gutted that Kid Icarus came out on the 3DS at, at a period at that period where everyone was still like 3DS. Fuck off, mate. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's because of the nature of when games come out and you have that window of opportunity for a game to be big and then it just gets kind of forgotten forever. It totally didn't deserve that because it's so good. Steve, you were working on official Nintendo when that came out, weren't you? Yes, I and you were, you, you were openly saying how brilliant it was. I reviewed the. Billy Bollocks off it and gave it a very high score. <laughs> yeah, and that's I, why I, I yeah. absolutely adored it. So it's like a, it's a, it's a game with two halves, really. <laughs> it's a game with two halves. Did you use that phrase in your review? Because <laughs> it's good, it's snappy. So <laughs> yeah. write that down, a game of two halves. <laughs> can be useful to describe things. Half of it is, is running around uh, on, on foot. Yeah. Using admittedly quite awkward camera controls that you can get good at and I, yeah. figure out how it works better. When you first start using it, it's very difficult oh, yeah, to control. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And after that, it's like a Sin and Punishment style flying through space, like almost like a Star Fox, yeah, Star Fox yeah. thing where you're uh, using the touchpad to point at things on the screen and shoot them. Um, but I just love the cartoon styling of it and the, the voice acting. I it's just like, love it, yeah. It's like kids' TV, but it's really, really well written. Funny, it's yeah. really funny. It, that's the, from the three or four hours I played of it, and I because my DS was gone astray it was I remember really enjoying the writing in a way that I don't normally in it's, it's, many video games the best way I think it's like like adult swim kind of cartoon yeah. thing but with none of the rudeness yeah oh that's just and it's that's just lovely it's such a lovely beautiful. game to play and it's brilliantly funny I can't wait even like wanting to watch the the the, the cartoon because they have done full length cartoons Oh, really? uh, of a Kid Icarus now that online and um, when Kid Icarus showed up at the end of the Smash Brothers thing at the Nintendo E3 uh, presentation I was like ah it's Kid Icarus and he's doing all these things I just I just love the character and I love yeah the and that's the thing I, I, I kind of came away from it being like I don't get this I don't get why why people think anyone cares about it like, mm. and then I was like oh no actually it's really really good like even the use of comic timing because it's like I don't know it, it just shows you how wrong you can be about making simple judgments and the fact that I hate it when you play a games when you play any game where you've got characters babbling over stuff constantly so you're just having the action you're shooting yourself you're fighting 
and the main characters are just incessantly talking to each other. Yeah. Usually, I'd be the first person to say, let's just take that, that, uh, that thing from games and destroy it forever. Let's just never have that in games, mm. ever. But in Kadigris, that's it's the amazing. thing. It's like they just constantly talk about the whole level. They, basically, it means that while you're playing this quite admittedly intense and difficult, often, like, action game, the, conversation, the characters are having a conversation. But as you say, the, the scripting is incredible. The uh, voice acting is brilliant. So mm. much so that a lot of it is, is based on replay value. Yeah. And I end up playing through, basically, listening to the same dialogue like four or five times. And it's still good. It's like at no point do I go, oh, I've heard this so many times. I'm just like, this is still funny. It's got a really great, um, talking about how difficult the game can be. Um, it's got that amazing mechanic where you can, before you start each level, yeah. you can dial up from zero point nothing up to ten point nothing. So zero to a hundred. You can dial in the level of challenge. And the higher up you go, the more reward you get. You gamble as level. well. You're basically gambling the number of hearts yeah. that you have. Um, on the, at the start of each level. Yeah, so you spend your currency to in order to make the level more difficult, but then you'll get better rewards for doing so. But mm. then every time you get killed during the mission, you don't like fail the mission. You just go down by like one click of difficulty. Yeah, they so you go down and they you lose 50. you lose some of the the hearts that yeah. you, that you gambled. So it literally shows you this bucket, like this big like cauldron of hearts that you've bet, and it pours some of them out and goes, "You've lost them. Carry on." And it's just great because it really encourages you to be like, it's play more, but that's such a brilliant idea. God, that, like, that talk of really open and rewarding gambling in games just reminds me of, did you ever play Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land? No, but I've heard many interesting things about it. It's just the least satisfying, did you ever play it, Steve? No, I haven't. It was just the least satisfying gambling mechanic because you'd haggle blind and you'd suggest a certain amount of things you wanted to pay for something. And they go, yes. You know, oh, fuck, I, I probably wasted some rupees on that. Or they say no. And you go, oh, well, I wonder how many I needed. It was the most... You, you learn nothing from that game. All you do is go through it with a constant feeling of having been cheated by an invisible no. spreadsheet. Yeah. Fuck. So that, that what, you, what you saw there, that you gamble this amount of stuff and you... And you learn immediately. That's fine. It's just, that I mean, it's great. Great. the game does track how good you are at it. Yeah. And when you start a game, yeah. it will default it. Go, we, if you think this is the level of challenge that will be just be fun for you to play, mm-hmm. you can make it easier or you can make it more challenging for yourself. But this is where we reckon that you're at. And then it learns. It's like, we reckon, it's like, try this. Like, how about try this difficulty? Uh, but then the mm-hmm. higher difficulty has like randomized drops to a degree that have like, so it's like, there's almost a, Reminds me of, oh, what is like it? Borderlands thing, almost. A bit like but... Borderlands or like um, Earth Defense Force. Like, being like, you play on higher difficulties, you'll get like better weapons, um, which will then make it easier to play on higher difficulties. But it's like, it's really intense on higher difficulties. And as you say, the control scheme, especially on the ground, like the, the kind of Star Fox thing is quite easy. But when you're on the ground, the complexity of the control system, at first, I was like, I don't fucking like this at all. Mm-hmm. But after playing it for like, six or seven hours I'm getting really good at it and you yeah. realise it's a really good control system you can really system. turn around very quickly and snap it's the way I thought of it in my head was like um, it's like the bottom screen of the, is you are spinning a globe actually it says that in the game at one point oh yes so, that's, yeah. how they, that's how they describe and, it and when they clicked that clicked for me when they said that when because again what I love about it is the fact the characters constantly break the fourth wall and lots of people talking refer to it as a game yeah and refer to it's fantastic bits later on when um, like Pitt starts like referencing 
other Nintendo games. I really? And the guy was like, what, what are you talking about? Uh, it's been this, uh, famous, famously, um, the, the Metroids from Metroid, yeah, those they're in tentacled it. creatures, they're in it. And they were in the original Kid Icarus on the NES. And that stage just basically reused that sprite in, in Metroid. But Nintendo never referenced the fact that they'd taken an enemy from one game and used it as the main <laughs> enemy from like another game. <laughs> but until Kid Icarus on 3DS, where they come out and they say it, and Kid Icarus goes, that reminds me of, they're looking at one of these Metroids, and they're called something else in Kid Icarus. That reminds me of an enemy from another game. What is it? It's, um, and like the, the, the overworld character at that point. So I don't, don't say it. Like, don't say it's where like, this is from. We don't, <laughs> we don't say zombies in a zombie movie. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Yes. And again, it's the fact that because all of the enemies in the game are like these 3D detailed versions of enemies, which were just enemies on a NES game, mm. it kind of, they're all nonsense. Like, because obviously back in those days, like when you had enemies in video games, they were like just weird sprites that were drawn because they would look funny. Like, one of the enemies is just like, you know, those uh, fake like, faces you got with the glasses and the big noses that you yes. wear with the yeah. moustache. Like, one of those, it's just one of those, but it's floating. And it's like a big 3D nose and glasses and yeah. moustache. And it's mental. <laughs> as fantastic little throwbacks to the 8 bit version as well. Like, yeah, when, yeah. You, when you die, it just plays the original 8 bit, like Death Tune. And you have like lots of little pixel art things as well. It's just such a lovely it, it doesn't game. feel like it's trying to be like um, fan service though, because I don't know anything about the original mm. game. And I love the fact that like, one of the bosses I've just done, it's like, it basically just says, oh yeah, this boss, like he's called this. Um, back in the original game, he was just uh, he was a, a boss that lived, he just lived on the head of Medusa. But he's like, but now, you know, he's like a, he does all sorts of things. He's like a, an amazing disguise. So he's, he's always changing his image up. And it's basically just going like, this is a character from the game, but we just completely changed him. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. there's just no re- like reference. And even like uh, the whole section with, um, it's just one of those games where it's, it sounds really, it sounds like a ridiculous box quote, but it's just, it's just so like relentlessly uh, generous with ideas and art styles. I just got a level I've just done before um, is the whole thing where you're in the, the, the maze of confusion it's like being in Tron or something it's like it's just it just completely just keeps going oh you know yeah. we're going to go here and it's kind of a completely different art style and really it's mental and yeah. it's so very very good it's kind of upsetting that A despite the glowing recommendation you gave me two years ago it's taken me two years to play it and B it's kind of got a bit lost like yeah. well I hate being one of those people who says of Nintendo games oh they should go third party and blah they should Absolutely not go third party. We talked about it last time you were on, yeah. And um, just people say, oh, it's a shame more people don't play it. It's like, well, if you want to play it, buy a 3DS and play it. Yeah. Don't be go, oh, if it was on Vita, I'd play it. Well, then why did you buy a Vita? It is incredible. I was kind of, it wasn't what (laughs) I expected at all, like, as a a game. I I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but it's just a... it's just, yeah, it's really funny, it's really creative, it's really varied. But also, like, it's... I've so, still got my cart, I'm going to get it out. It's I'm so I'm going to go home right now, I'm going to cut this podcast short and go home and play it. <laughs> uh, should you, readers? Mm. <laughs> Even the way you can just, like, you know, flick on the screen, and, like, each weapon is, like, vastly varied, and you can trigger different special attacks just by different movements. And, it's, and you have to choose the weapon that you come into each level. You have to choose the, which weapon you're going to take. Yeah. It's, like, 12 different archetypes, I think, maybe nine. And some of the, like they're all different. You have like swords that do slashes right in front of you, swords yeah. that fire like bullets out. You have like big fists things that you wear and you punch things, and 
staves and things, and staves is the plural of staff, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and that just, again, that just varies everything up. I think it's a good a sign of a good game as well, and the fact that when you find yourself doing that thing of being like, I, I'm, I'm not going to go to level three just yet. I'm just going to try just that same level that again, again yeah. on a high difficulty. Yeah. And it's like that for me is like, the fact that it does that, that kind of toying with your brain mechanically, being like, how hard can you do it? You'll get better things, you'll mm. get better things. And still having like a game which is just incredibly charming and funny. It's just, it's just class. It's properly class. And Palatina is brilliant. I love that yeah. she's just constantly fucking with you. She's like, she's like a big sister, like teasing all the yeah. time. She's just making shit up. She just lies to you constantly. And there's some incredible comic timing at times. So sometimes you just, you asks her a question. It doesn't say anything for five seconds. And you kind of, because you know how video games work, you kind of think, oh, that's weird. I wonder if it's like, because there's been a weirdly long gap in the conversation. It seems yeah. like a fuck up. And they just like, haven't hit a trigger maybe in the game yet that makes her <laughs> yeah, reply. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. But then it's like, it's like, I'm guessing by the fact that you're not saying anything that <laughs> it's like, oh, we'll work it out. Just, yeah. just keep going. It's like, yeah, it's very, very good. And that's it for this week's Star Souls. A bit of an abrupt end, no questions, and a bit shorter than usual this week. But as you can probably tell from the setup, it's a bit more ad hoc than usual. So it's fine. It's fine. But uh, we will be returning next week, and I hope you've enjoyed it. And yeah, do go and do go and play some of those games. They're all good. We've talked about some good games, haven't we? Good games. Fear oh, 2 is probably costs less than a banana these days. Yeah, I can't remember. It felt like we only talked about two games, but there were a couple of interjection games there. But yeah, some Spelunky. We did some Fear 2. Oh, so you're being haunted. So you're being haunted. Kid Icarus. Don't bother too much with the Tingle's Rosy Rupee Land, though. <laughs> yeah, that, you just made that sound fucking irritating. It was annoying. And also, the music is quite haunting. Every time you go into the hometown, it's like this weird tooting of a tugboat. And it makes you, it makes your skin feel sad playing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a box quote if ever I saw one. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.